I can remember as a missionary, as a young man, 21 years old, I was in a foreign country. My Lord and Jess, the very next day, doubled down on that and was like, prove it. And she said, Ashante, will you give your testimony on Sunday? And I said, Jess, you know it's Easter, right? Um, and so I need to preface all of this with um, don't see me, don't see my mess. If I get a little wavery, um, if I get a little misty-eyed, see past that um, and see Christ, uh, if at all possible, in what I'm going to share. Uh, my, per my, my testimony is personal. By definition, it has to be. Uh, so if I shed a t tear or two, don't freak out, right? I'm going to do my best to keep my emotions at bay. Um, both my parents served in uh, the Air Force. So me and my two brothers, we, we started out from a young age traveling, and, and we got a lot of miles underneath, underneath our belts right from the get-go. I'm the oldest of the three. And my, my, like most older siblings, um, I take my job of being the eldest very seriously. Just ask my baby brother, who is now sitting, what, three rows from me. Um, I have my whole life. Our parents, they divorced, and my mom got sick. So she was forced to medically retire from the military. I'm eight or so, uh, so all of this is happening simultaneously, kind of, right? So she medically retires from the military. She goes to start working at uh, the Christian school where we, we were uh, students there, and we also went to church at this, at this church. Um, so I, I'd heard that I was a sinner. I'd heard uh, that Christ died for me at a very young age. I grew up hearing about Jesus and God and what sin was, right? I recall making a profession of faith, and by profession of faith, um, at eight years old, I did not want to die, and I heard my ticket out of dying and going to hell was to believe in Jesus, and so uh, I, I declared I am a Christian at, at eight years old. I was scared. I did not want to be separated from God. Um, I recall doing that, and I, I became this little Bible Betty. I could rival the Cecil sisters, if you know them, Kate and Carrie Jo, or if you're of this age, you can, uh, I could rival the little Gracie Workman with my Bible, uh, that Sunday school felt board knowledge of Christianity, right? On my dad's side, he's the, the baby. He's, got, uh, he's the youngest of five. I've got four aunties and um, my grandmother, and they're all pillars of faith in my story, constantly pointing uh, me and my brothers toward Christ and the goodness of God, whether we wanted to hear it or not. And just for context, I'll share with you, um, while most kids were at the mall at middle school and high school, my auntie was loading up her minivan, and we were headed to the senior citizens or the uh, nursing homes to sing a praise song and do uh, a service with them. I kid you not, it did wonders for uh, my social standing. It was like we were the Von Trapp family of Sardis, Mississippi, um, when we stayed with her. So uh, with that said, uh, I, I'm, I'm well versed in Christianese, is what I like to call. Uh, when you know a lot of the jargon, right, it's Christianese. It was all surface level stuff for me. We get older. My mom, she gets sicker. My brothers and I, we got, started getting split up and bounced uh, from one helpful family member to the other. One's in Kentucky, one's in Italy, one's in Mississippi. Um, and 
so that my mom could get the treatments that she needed medically, right? By this point, I'm in middle school, like I said, and I'm starting to battle a fierce round of jealousy, watching other seemingly normal families do life. And here we are, just this hot mess of a group of kids, right? This family. My mom and my aunties and my grandparents are all saying the same thing, pray, have faith. So that's what I did, right? I began this transactional relationship with God. Maybe you're familiar with it here this morning. I pray, I check that box off. I go to church, I check that box off. I try not to step too far out of line, least not as much as my brothers, and if you know them, you know. I was looking like the angel that I was, right? Giving this superficial, I don't do, she's the good one out of them right kids, right? Then it all comes tumbling down. Two days before I graduated high school, and on my baby brother's birthday, my mom passed away. My world was rocked, destroyed. You see, I was having a really hard time trying to reconcile the God of the Sunday school stories that I had heard, the God who loved me and who prayed who I prayed to and begged to heal my mom with what was happening around me. There was a major gap, right? And I could not hurdle it. It's been my experience when the bottom falls out for the believer, there are two possible responses. Option one, you run to Christ. You run to the church, you run to the word, and you hold on for dear life until he can restore some measure of life back into you until you're able to breathe again and put one foot in front of the other. Or option two, you run headfirst into the welcoming arms of a world and all the Russian roulette games the world offers while, eagerly wait, while it eagerly waits to claim its next victim. Ecclesiastes tells me there's nothing new under the sun. And the enemy isn't keen on new ideas anyway. The first tactic is always this. Did God really say? If God really loved you, Ashante, he would have never allowed fill in the blank. I took and I bit that lie, that apple, and I continued to choke it down for about three and a half years. Suffice it to say, I fell, I fell headfirst for the oldest tactic in the book, Genesis 3. Make no mistake, sin has consequences, and I felt those more than I like to remember. But God, in his abundant mercy, he protected me from myself. There was not one second, keep that in mind, there was never not one second where I was doing what I thought, I'm just going to do me, forget all that Christian stuff. It didn't pan out, it didn't pay off. Tell me where God was. But there was always guilt conviction, regret. I even half-heartedly prayed the prayers that maybe some of you have prayed. Lord, if you'll get me out of this, man, I will never do it again. Then I continued to push that aside, numb it down, grow bitter, grow angry at my circumstance. I started a new job that was more conducive to my college schedule, right? So I could pay my bills and go to class at the same time. I met a coworker who was a new believer. 
He was eager to share with anyone who would listen. And when you're scheduled to work a 10-hour shift in, uh, in, a, in a room, the equivalent of a good-sized closet, there was really no getting away from him. He started telling me about his life and his walk and his kids and the mess he'd made of his life. I felt sorry for him, but I didn't see that same, um, there was no evidence of sadness of his circumstances. He's telling me how God rescued him. I tell him kindly, I appreciate you sharing with me and trusting me to share that story. But he didn't know me. He didn't know my past. He didn't know what I had done, nor what I was currently actively doing. But he didn't let up. I told you I knew the lingo, the Christianese, right? I can talk the game. I could regurgitate what my mom and my aunties and my grands and previous pastors had shared. The problem was, I had never looked for myself. Therein lies the issue. I was trying to live standing on the faith of those whose faith was firmly rooted in Christ without standing on the rock for myself. Soon as the first wave of trouble, of loss, the effects of a fallen world and brokenness all around me, as soon as it hit me, I tanked. I fell head first, and I could not stand. So, I opened the Bible. This time I opened the Bible for myself. I began to see for myself who God was. I learned that sin was more than just breaking the rules and misbehavior. Sin went deeper than that. It was a misplaced love and rejection of a holy, holy God. I'd read verses I'd heard all my life but never understood in full context of their scheme of scripture. Like in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then there's 2 Corinthians 5.21, sorry. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God treated Jesus, his son, as if he had committed every sin that I had done. Then he turns around and treats me, Ashante, as if I lived the life Christ had lived. As if I was righteous. For the first time, I was starting to see my sin compared vertically to a holy God and just God, instead of comparing myself horizontally, looking at you guys and saying, at least I'm not like so-and-so. At least I'm not like my brothers. At least I'm not like... I started looking at my sin compared to God. My sin had strapped Christ to a tree, and he freely took that tree for me. Without the cross, Michael Reith says this, without the cross, I could never imagine the seriousness of what it means for God to say God is love. And I was left like Job in chapter 42, verse 3. I have talked about things that are far beyond my understanding. In verse 5, I heard about you from others. Now I have seen you with my own eyes. I lied quickly, as I dried up here. I lied quickly. I remember being a little girl, and I used to pray that God would give me a Christian man when I, when I got older. I never recall adding any specifics to that prayer, and I probably should have had I known he was going to answer me in such an <laughs> odd way. 
but God knew um, exactly what I needed. See, I married that middle-aged co-worker, and the Lord has grown and blessed this odd couple many times over and walked us through every storm since. And I trust that he will do exactly as he has always done. Um, I had to mentally, I told 830, I had to mentally prepare for this. I had a week to do so, nervously. Um, I'm reading in, in the same passages that we're all reading as far as Resurrection Sunday, and there were a, a few ladies who were at the, the tomb first before anybody else, uh, a couple of Marys, and they, they too, they ran back to tell a room full of people, kind of like I'm standing up here and telling a room full of people that uh, what they had witnessed, they had witnessed that the tomb was empty, that the angel had told them that he had risen, but the disciples didn't be believe the Marys either. They didn't believe it, and I understand that. What I'm asking you guys to do this morning is don't take my word for it. Be like Peter and John and run. Don't walk. Run and see for yourself. Hear for yourself. Read God's word for yourself. The tomb is empty. Happy Resurrection Day.